Fantastic. All right, guys. Hey, so let's dive in this morning. Last week we spoke about the difference between the orphan spirit and the spirit of adoption. So the orphan spirit we, we define as the spirit of fear. Right, the spirit of fear that we live under, and looking at Romans 8, we saw this kind of, you haven't been given a spirit of fear that makes you again, right, to, to, to a slave to fear, but you've been given a spirit of adoption. And it's this beautiful picture, right, that we've been adopted, and so with that, the unfortunate reality is we, how often, live our lives less as like sons and daughters and more like orphans. And so this morning we're going to dive a little deeper into that. But let's start here. Have you ever heard the phrase, the phrase, right, that you can't, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink, right? It's one of those phrases you grew up with, right? You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. And, and I think we all understand that. You can take a horse, but if you've ever been with a horse, I mean, they're stronger than you, right? Like I, I literally saw this image of a lady like sitting next to a stream, like hold, like doing like this with the rope down by the water and the horse was like this and she was losing the battle, That this idea that you can lead this horse to the water and everything that he needs is right there, but he won't drink. And so imagine, imagine, just put yourself in the shoes of saying, I have a horse. We're going to name him Rocky. Okay. And so I've given you my pet horse, my, my, like a part of my family is horse named Rocky. And I love Rocky. And so I go out of town for a month. And like, you're a horse whisperer, supposedly, right? And you can take care of Rocky. And so I give you Rocky. And so Rocky, first day, you give him food to eat. You lay water and he won't drink. Next day, food, he won't drink water. So you keep on going and going and going. And you all know that water is like, you're sitting there going, my gosh, this is scary. Because I know water is vital for the life of, of any person, human being, animal, right? And without water... We deteriorate in, and ultimately in time, we, we die. And so you're sitting there like day one, day two. I don't know. Like I know human beings is three. I have no idea how long horses can go, but they can't go forever, right? And so there comes a point, and that's, the horse begins to slow down, deteriorate, deteriorate till all of a sudden the inevitable happens. And so I want you to think about that moment of responsibility. I want you to think about that moment of 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 this horse. I want you to think about this, this responsibility that I've given you. And I want you to think about the emotions that you feel. Like day one, you're like, oh, man, what's up with that horse? Like day two, day three, you're like getting a little bit nervous. Let's just say it's seven days it takes, right? Like day four and day five, like you have, like you're like on edge and, and then you're frustrated and you're upset and you're scared. Like you have all these emotions that are going on because you know how important Rocky, the horse, is to me. And then that moment comes, right? Day seven, you're just like, I want you to think about this real sense that you can lead a horse to water. The very thing that it needs for sustenance, the very thing that it needs for life. But in that moment, you literally cannot make it drink. When we think about this Orphan spirit versus the spirit of adoption. So often, it is, it's like that as Christians. That we are these people who, right, who have been brought into the family. And everything that's available to us for life is there. But we don't drink. 
If you remember, we said last week that orphans, the three things, let me on the screen, the very, the three things that we said was this. Number one, orphans are alone. Orphans don't have advocates and orphans don't have parents. Right? We talked about it in the context of literal physical orphans, those who are living in foster care, right? But we talked about it, the same is true in the nature of how we live our lives, even as Christians, is that that, that we can be these spiritual orphans who think that we're alone, who, who think we have no advocates, people like those who are fighting for us, who think we and live as if we have no parents. And so in this place, right, then the, the opposite is the spirit of adoption. We've been brought in as sons and daughters because we said the spirit of adoption as sons and daughters leads us by nature to a fullness in Jesus. Like this nature of, so I want you to hear me say this. We, so let's just say every day that our sonship or our daughtership, that your sonship and your daughtership are to be things and reality that we drink of every day. And so as we're adopted sons and daughters, then we find ourselves intentionally every day even in that moment, like there's like the, a something that happens or a situation or a or a or a thing in life that maybe causes us to be to feel pulled away from the reality of who we are. But but every day with intentionality, right, we talked about this morning, stepping in, saying, God, with everything else fades away. So all that we do is give you thanks because of who you are. Every day there's an intentionality of us again today, awakening ourselves, right, intentionally turning to the fact of God as father and us as sons and daughters. So every day we we live, we give ourselves to the reality of being sons and daughters adopted. We said having full legal access to father and everything that belongs to Jesus. And so every day, Jesus, and he doesn't have a rope around us, right? He takes us off. We more Every day he puts himself in our presence to drink of him. But the spiritual orphans, they don't. They say, no, no, I'm alone, and no one's providing me drink. And I don't have anyone, who, I don't have parents who are really, really fighting for me, providing for me. Because orphans by nature, and let me just press pause real quick. I want you, here's the thing, each of you, each of us, I mean, this is definitely me. I could, I literally this morning, I wrestled, like, how much... Like, I'm not telling much of my story this morning, but I could tell you my story. I could tell you my story. I came to Christ when I was very young. Somewhere, I mean, I got saved, I don't know, 15 times a week between the ages of 9 and 12 in the Baptist church, right? I mean, I have no idea. When I got, quote, unquote, got saved, right? I mean, Jesus knows. Somewhere along the way, right? And I gave my life to Jesus. Somewhere in, in number 12, it was like this real clear moment, right? I'm like, yes, this is true and right. But as John Wesley said, my, my heart was warmed with the reality of God's presence right now as well. But I could tell you the story from like 12 up into college of, of, of living like I had to work all the time for God. And he was never really near. I could tell the story of like that, that awakening moment of like, so God loves, I know God loves me because he has to, but you're telling me he actually likes me? Right, that's the nature of the orphan. The orphan's like, I mean, you have to love me, right, but you don't like me. The isolation, the aloneness, the idea of scarcity. There's never enough for me. Like I live, I live, listen, I live thinking God would do more stuff for you than he wanted to do for me. Right? That God wanted to move and y'all, I could pray all day for you. That are really, but that, it's like, but pray for me, nah, I don't really know. Because I was scared, what if he didn't move? 
So I lived in this place of scarcity. I lived in this place of not really thinking he was a good, I knew he was a good father for you, didn't think he was a good father for me. Like I wasn't, and here's the thing, I wasn't conscious of that, right? Like I didn't sit there every day and think about God not loving. I got, I, it was like a, like you know you have those epiphany of the awakening moments of reality that you're like, I've been thinking that in my entire life, that old phrase, stinking thinking, right? Right. Now I had this stinking thinking, like, like, oh, I just didn't even have no idea. Like I'm talking like God's been doing this work in mean, the last year, not just like when years ago, I'm like this, this year awakening me to these things. And so I come to this thing talking about this orphan spirit and this place of scarcity. And I'm just letting you know, it's like this, I'm, I'm, I'm telling these things of my own story. So I'm just letting you know that's kind of where we are this morning. And so all of us, all of us have something inside of us of this orphan spirit, right? Whether it's a tendency we have or a reality that we live in. When Paul spoke in Romans 8 and when Jesus came in chapter 14 of, of Luke, whatever it was, and and talked about, hey, listen, be careful. Basically, he was saying, be careful. Because when situations arise, you're all going to have a tendency to move towards scarcity. To move towards this orphan spirit. To think that you're alone. It's only you. The world, it's just, it's just you by yourself. Me, myself, and I, de la soul, right? It's like me, myself, and I. That was a song, by the way, de la soul. Just me, myself, and I. Right? Now. Thank you. So. Because there's nothing worse making a fool of yourself. No one laughs, right? So I'll pay you if you keep on doing that. So now, orphans live a life of scarcity. So you're putting yourself somewhere in this, right? They always feel unsettled. They rarely experience true peace. Survival defines their life, right? They, by definition, are deprived of protection position and in turn live for self, live to protect self. By nature, see life through a lens of self. It's only as they enter into relationship with someone, primarily with Jesus, that they can begin to tear down walls, begin to see that their life has value, begin to see that they're loved, that they're actually important. They can actually sing the song of Misty Edwards says, Jesus, here I am, your favorite one. What are you thinking? What are you feeling? I have to know. And to not say that with pride as if I'm better than, but just to know in the eyes of God, yes, we're all his favorites. Like, I listen, I'll sit there with this. Is, you're going to think this is terrible parenting. Trust me, it's not. Like, I'll sit there with our girls and go, Sarah, you're my favorite. And Anna Catherine goes, but I know that I'm his favorite, right? They'll say the same because it's true. I love them so each individually that they're both my favorite, and I celebrate that. And I can say, you're my favorite. And you're my favorite. Dad, you can't have that. Yes, I can. I'm a dad. Dads and moms can do that. They can both say you're my favorite and both mean it both times. It doesn't contradict. Just think Trinity, right? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Somehow that works. He's my favorite. Jesus, here I am, your favorite one. What are you thinking? What are you feeling? I've got to know, right? Living in this place, a lack of scarcity, confidence every day, but by nature, each of us in some place wrestle 
with orphan, whether it was like sins committed against us, sins that we committed so we hate self, we loathe self, or just the situation of life that was presented that our parents sucked. And so we have, I can say that because that's what they were, right? They sucked. You can't say it any other way than that. And so you live, it's like, duh, they're distant. And so you protected yourself. And so now you view God through the lens of your own experience. Without even knowing you live in scarcity. So in this. And we don't even, here's the deal. Let's press pause again. Like, And we don't throw our parents under the bus. Because where'd they come from? And what they experience. And it's a process for us, right? I'll never forget the greatest moment of my life was when I sat there and realized my dad did the best he could with what he had, and I should celebrate him. That was a huge moment for me. My dad, he did the best he could. He loved me to the best of his ability, and I'm going to honor that. Was it perfect? No. Do I love my kids perfectly? No. Are they going to have issues and go to counseling because of me? Probably, right? Probably more, probably more so for Randall, right? No, no, it's probably, it was me, right? It's both of us. Tom and I talked about it this morning. Tom Vickery and I talked about it this morning. It's like, man, we, we look back. I was asking him, like, asking this question. These, none of this is in my notes, right? But I was like asking him, so what's it like now being a, having an empty nest? And he talked about these pieces, but one of these things, okay, it's like just recognizing that there are these things, man, I look back, wish I'd done differently. Like we celebrate stuff, but like, and, and, I, and here's the point. It's not just him. Like, that's everybody. I look back even now and go, I wish I'd done that differently. So, I don't know. Anyway, it's all that to say. We live in this place, and so we all have these tensions. We have these struggles, and we all have this tendency towards orphan. Really, again, we have tendencies towards the spirit of fear. And so when I say orphan, isn't it really, like, it's really important to, to immediately do this. It's a spirit of fear. It's a fear of being alone. It's a fear of being unlovable. It's a fear of never being accepted. It's a fear of always being too much for somebody. And so let's just guard, protect myself so I never have to be vulnerable to let somebody in. Because if I do that, then I'm protected. And so I view life just through the lens of self. One of the great stories, I think, in Scripture that, that paints this picture is the prodigal son story, but it's the elder son. Like most of us know the prodigal son story, right? You have a father who represents God in the story. Then you have the younger brother and the older brother, right? And so the younger brother comes and says, hey, give me all my inheritance, everything that belongs to me, and I'm going to leave our family, which is to say as if... The asking for the inheritance, I'm going to act as if you were dead to me, the entire family. I'm going to take off on my own, right? And so he did. And so you know that story, right? And so their story is he all of a sudden came to his senses. He came back to his, his home. You know the story. The father sees him from a great distance. They had, I don't know what they call them, like We just call them man skirts, right? Takes his man skirt, hikes it up, runs down the hill or up the hill or whatever he is, right? From the porch, goes down, right? His son falls on his knees. The father says, 
Hey, no, 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 you're my son, right? Here's my, here's the family ring, signifying that you're part of the family again. I forgive you. In fact, here's the coat I'm going to put on you, and we're going to kill the fattened calf and throw a big party because my son was lost and now he's found, right? It's a beautiful, beautiful story. That is many of our stories, and you celebrate the prodigal son, right? That here's a kid, here's a kid literally who had chosen to be an orphan in, in a sense, right? He had chosen, but he's brought back and had done nothing. He had, listen, what had he done to earn the right to be in the family? Nothing. He still smelled like poo. I mean, literally. He still smelled like poo, and father embraced him and brought him in. The son's like, what just happened? I didn't do anything. I didn't get to grovel very much. I didn't have to pay, I didn't have to pay penance or anything. I just came and said, sorry, and he brought me in. That's crazy talk, right? Orphan spirits of men literally adopted. But then we're going to pick up in the story of the elder son in verse 25. It says, now, his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing, and he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry. And refused to go when his father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, look, these many years I've served you and I never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf. And he said to him, son, you are always with me and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad for this, your brother was dead. And is alive. He was lost and is found. Obviously, we could say a lot about this story. I'm going to name just a couple, literally just two things that I believe are unique to the expression of the orphan spirit in this, sto- in this story. He, right, he is obviously a son. He is obviously a part of family. His fall, he, has, he has a father who loves him, yet he lives disconnected, self-centered, unaware of his position as a son, and honestly unaware of anyone's needs that are closest to him in his life. So thoughts to consider. Why was he not broken? Why was he not broken over the lostness of his brother like his father was? Like he's a family member, right? But why was he not broken over the lostness of his brother like his father was? Did he get angry? That his father lived life praying for and praying for the son, praying for, for breakthrough. Did he, like, we don't really know, but some people talk, yeah, the father must have been sitting on the front porch day in and day out. So he, because why, how could he have seen the son coming from a distance, whether he was sitting there waiting for him? And maybe whether that's true or not, we don't really know. Scripture is silent. But what if it is true? What if it is true that the son, the father was every day Every day, always longing for, always praying, always hoping for this moment when his son would come. And, and, and here's the point. If, if this elder son, if this elder son was connected to his father, then he would have longed for the very thing that his father longed for. Right? Like if he was connected and adopt, like living in the adoption, he would see the brokenness of his father. He would see the prayers of his father and, and he would probably be frustrated 
and angry in the moment. Here's the thing. Let's press pause. He had the right to be frustrated, didn't he? Like, he had the right to be angry in the moment. Like, just because these things happen doesn't mean, like, take the high road and not be honest about your frustration. No, I mean, he had a right to be frustrated. His younger brother is an idiot and was rude and was condescending. And it's like, and he hurt for his father. He could hurt for his father and hurt for himself and be frustrated and angry. But, but not sin in that, right? And still say, God, I'm frustrated and I'm angry, but I see my father and I see the lostness of my brother and in the spirit of adoption, I move beyond what I feel and what I think is best for me, God, to get to a place of what my father wants and what is best for my younger brother and his lostness. God, I pray for his salvation. I pray that you would bring him home. You see, in that moment, he was so self-focused in the moment that he... Literally, he was so in this place of orphan. And you see in the language, it's like, see, I worked for you. This disconnect, no nearness. There's just this place of self. Why did you not do this for me, Father, but you did it for him? I'm just, ugh, self. Second piece, why did he only view his relationship with the Father in the context of working for him. Like that's that piece you see in the elder son. It's like his relationship is defined by the working. That wasn't the father's fault. The father shares his heart with the son when he says, son, like a level of, son, you're always with me. And all that I have and all that is mine is yours. Can you see like, like as I read, like in my, when I read it, I see a level of like shock and of disconnect. I'm like, I can't believe you can't even you 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 literally like you live every day next to the water source. I I, I, I every day you've been standing here. And the water's been available. Everything that belongs to me, the water source is available. Everything, everything that's mine, everything that's good, everything that's right about me, it's, it's sitting here. And you've never partaken. There is, and put the next slide up. I got erased in my notes, the orphan one. The orphan spirit causes us to not see what is already true about us. If there was one thing about this message I want you to land on, there's the orphan spirit, the spirit of fear causes us to not see what is already true about us, that our water source, this truth of being adopted as sons and daughters, having my identity, no matter what crap it is that I've been through over the last several years, that all of that, see, all that, listen, the past is gone. See, I'm doing a new thing because right now, here's the water source. Right now, you're adopted. Right now, the spirit of fear has been crushed. Right now, this belongs to you. Don't let that cripple you anymore. Don't let it cripple you. The orphan's spirit causes us to not see what is already true about us. This son, the elder son. This, listen, the father wasn't speaking with condemnation. The father was speaking with compassion. Don't you already know? I've, in a sense, I've led you here. Again, like the, the prodigal father represents God the father. 
He's a good, it's a picture of a perfect father. Jesus is telling the story with the prodigal father. And the idea is that he, he in time longs for all of us to be this type of spiritual parent, honestly. It's not just that we're either one of these two. The ultimate goal of the father is to bring all of us into this place of being spiritual parents for those around us, right? Who live with the spirit of adoption, defining who we are so that we live our lives for others. We live our lives receiving from Father every day so that we can give it away to the nature, right? But in this moment, we have to wrestle. Do we live every day in a place of scarcity that there's not enough, that we're not capable, that God doesn't, whatever it is for us? The elder son lives life focused on self, he lives in scarcity. And herein lies the heart of our message this morning and where I want us to, to launch. It's for those of us who know Jesus, we've been adopted. God has led us to the waters and he longs for us to partake. And the place that we have to begin with ourselves is just to be honest The first place is to be honest about what do I live under? Do I live under this orphan spirit, the spirit of fear? Do I live primarily under the spirit of adoption? I would invite you, again, i got to go change my notes. They all got erased. I had like three nice to-dos for you. I can't remember where they are. I don't know what what they are. I wrote them down this morning, last minute, and I don't have them here. So we're just going to kind of wing it here. Number one, I I want you to slow down this week. And just ask, like, ask self and ask the Lord. Like, have you ever done it with the Lord? You sit down, and like, you just have a dialogue with him. You kind of go in and out of thinking, and you realize in your thinking it's really prayer. Like, you're just kind of a dialogue with self and with the Lord and allowing him to speak. And what happens is a lot of times we get led to the water we won't drink because we're too busy looking back to all of our to-do list. We have to slow down enough to let our let God like let our like let God's thoughts catch up with us and be honest. And so when we get to that place, like do I live in a fear? Do I live disconnected? Do I live like the elder brother? Am I just aware of self? Like, like here's the thing. Do you here's a, here's just a marker. Do you spend more time frustrated or more time in celebration? Frustration is a sign of the orphan spirit, and celebration is the sign of adoption. It is. Because frustration speaks to, and like, and not, someone does something wrong, it's okay to be frustrated, you know what I mean. It's like frustration gives way to God's movement, right? And so do I live life being more frustrated with everything in my life, or seeing God's movement in celebration? Jesus, for the, very, the joy set before me, endured the cross, right? Like, I'm frustrated, like, this is difficult, but celebration and so, be honest. Do I live life frustrated or in celebration? It's a marker for us. So, like, frustrated with, like, and here's the deal. Frustrated with self, like, with self. Frustrated with others. Self-hatred. Self-loathing. Like, I'll just be honest. Your identity, how you view yourself physically, is a sign of the orphan spirit. If you just see yourself as less than, not good enough, there's something wrong with you mentally, physically, spiritually, then that's a sign of the orphan spirit. Because God views you a different way. How do you view yourself? Like, I'll be honest with you. 
I never say negative things to my kids about who they are. And if somebody doesn't like something about them, then there's something wrong with them. You know what I mean in that? Like, I might come back, like, I might sit down and say, all right, well, here's some things you might need to work on, right? You know what I'm getting at. It's not negativity. The last thing is this. This week, would you be intentional in a journal of some sort to write down the blessings and celebrations of your life? Just write them down. Because it's one of those things when I began to write down blessings and celebrations that all of a sudden awakens me to the fact that everything that I have is because of my near, because of God's nearness to me. And it turns my eyes from here to see him. As I begin to see the reality of my life, I'm nicer. I celebrate that someone got a, I mean, the story here, what would happen if the elder son said, oh, I'm so frustrated with him. Cannot believe it. It hurts me, hurts me for him and it hurts me for my dad. And God, I'm frustrated. When he comes back, I'm gonna, I've got to be honest with him. I've got to be honest with you about that and prayerfully consider how I communicate that frustration maybe to him. But God, I want, I know that you love him. I know my dad loves him. And my dad's praying for him and hoping. So God, I'm going to hope and pray too. And it's hard for me to hope and pray, but God, I'm going to believe. Because I know that you love him. I know you have plans for him. I know that you're going to move in his life. And so God, I, I thank you that you have given me everything that I need pertaining to life and godliness. First Peter, right? I have everything I need pertaining to life and godliness through my knowledge of you because I am sustained as your son. And so I celebrate and I thank you for my dad. I feel like I work for him, but I know that he loves me and we work together. And so, Jesus, thank you, or God, thank you for living in a place of satisfaction and fulfillment. And, God, it's hard, and I have frustrations, but, God, so be honest. Where are you? Orphan spirit, spirit of fear. And begin to allow him. So, again, as we end, some of you, listen, some of you need to sit down and talk to somebody about this. Because you don't know how to help yourself. Like, it's great to name something, but you don't know how to get to the other side. You may need to sit down with a pastor, pastor friend. You may need to sit down with a, just someone you really look up to or sit down with a counselor. Yay, counselors. Because their job is to help you walk through the process of dealing with some of this stuff. No one is immune from needing help. No one. We all need help. Let's pray. Father, we celebrate you this morning. We just confess by nature, Lord, that we wrestle, we struggle, God, with an orphan spirit. Lord, I just, every day I come around people, Lord, I recognize, man, they are struggling with a spirit of fear, not knowing who they are. And Father, I just confess, we all know people like this, Lord. We try to lead them to water, we try to speak truth, and they just never will get it. They, can't, they just won't drink of it. And we live the level of, ah, just, I just want you to get it. Father, we confess this morning that all of us, we wrestled it ourselves. We used to know people who do. And we, we pray for grace this morning, Lord. Step into a spirit of adoption. We ask this morning, God, for grace, God, to 
in any kind of conversations with you, Jesus, that we'd have ears to hear you. And so, Jesus, would you lead us in this conversation this morning? Father, I speak right now to the spirit of condemnation that blinds people. I command it to shut its mouth this morning in Jesus' name. And Lord, we pray for an opening, God, of the ears of your people to hear you, God. The spirit of joy, the spirit of faith, the spirit, God, that says you are loved. We pray for a gift of love this morning to be poured out upon your people. So Jesus, have your way. We pray this, amen. So again, this morning, your response is fourfold. You're all going to fill out your paper before you leave. Two, we have communion available. I'd like to invite you to come. As, you know, as we take communion this morning, so here's what I'm going to ask you. As you take communion this morning, you're going to come and say, God, this is not some historical event only. God, it is a present-day reality of your expression of love. As we take it this morning, our prayer, God, would you awaken us to the Father heart, your mother heart. You know what I'm getting at, right? He represents this parental heart of love for us. So come and take this morning. We have ministry teams available on both sides. And this morning, let's begin to pray just a breaking off of the spirit of fear and this the movement of adoption in your hearts. This morning, obviously, as worship this morning for tithes and offerings and baskets, you give as the Lord leads. But he's good and he loves you this morning. So you respond as the Lord leads. And allow him to move.